Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, Glory family, good morning again. It is so good to have you. It is a little bit uh, crazy to be back doing this, pre-recording a service, but I know that God is doing something even when I can't see it. And so we are leaning into that as a church family. Um, I am so thankful. I hope that you had that volume turned up. You were able to worship with the team on Thursday night. It was so good to just be able to be in there and watch them record this. Uh, It was such a sweet time. So thank you team for leading us this morning in that. Uh, Maybe you're watching for the first time. Maybe you're listening at at home or you were invited to a small group or you're listening in on the podcast or watching someone shared it on Facebook and you're listening in now. It's so good to have you. My name is Greg McKinney and my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And for the time being, we are strictly an online church. Uh, We have small groups that are meeting all over the Kansas City area. Maybe you would like to join one. I'd love to have you involved here at Glory Church in a deeper way. Um, But if you are new to us, uh, we were meeting at the Linwood YMCA, which has now become a vaccine clinic for the next six weeks. And so we have been in this place of in-between. We're praying that God would do miracles, which is very fitting. We're actually in week three this weekend uh, of a series over Jesus's miracles. We've been studying them uh, up until Lent, up until Easter. And so we are so excited to see what God is going to do. I mean, it's hard. It's been heavy, but good. And so press in with us, engage in this service. If you are a part of the Glory family and you're in a small group, I would encourage you to log on to Facebook. Uh, it can be muted, but engage in this message with me. Uh, I would love to have your input throughout it. Plus it helps showcase it to more people who follow us on Glory Church. So if you've missed our update this Thursday, we're going to get into the series. So don't worry, we'll get into the message. But I just wanted to remind everyone who maybe missed our live update on Thursday about our location uh, change. We are going to continue being online for the foreseeable future. As you heard, we have some pretty exciting news about Easter being in a tent, uh, having a at the park with an egg hunt. I'm pretty excited. I'm excited for what God is going to do, the people who will come just because it's not in a church building. And so I'm excited for that. But maybe uh, you didn't hear that we have two locations, venues that we're praying through. It's not just a me and Kate prayer or even an us uh, as a staff praying through it. We have an elder board overseeing us. And so we're praying for these two locations. One is temporary. Uh, and, and it would be a temporary fit, a good one. And then the other is a permanent one. And uh, we would have our own home. We, it would be ours for the foreseeable long-term future. And as I mentioned on Thursday in our live update, both of them are going to demand for us to take a step forward uh, financially as a church. And so uh, maybe you heard Pastor Kate already talk about giving, um, but we are in a a weird series right now, uh, a weird season where we're just in the in-between. I know for a fact that God has called us to greater things. I mean, it's been a vision on my heart for a long time to be able to have our own space that we can do ministry in throughout the week. And maybe you can be a part of it now. It's really awesome. On this side of everything, I have been able to see God orchestrate 
I mean, he's given us favor with building owners. He's given us favor as we've gone through. He, it is so accessible and obtainable. The lease to own rent of this building. And so I would love to have a permanent home. But one thing we are praying for as a staff is that our church would be able to financially uh, give to the place where we can sustain it where we could be there sustainably. And so, uh, as I mentioned, we are praying for $3,000 a month more in giving. Um, and I don't know what that means for you. Maybe it means you saying, okay, God, I get this vision. I wanna be a part of this church and I wanna see it grow in this community. I want a place of our own. And so maybe we need to start giving. Or maybe you, you go to your spouse and you guys have already said, uh, you've been giving for a while now and you just ask like, are we comfortable in this? Maybe is God stretching us further? But family, I'll be honest, we cannot move out of online uh, sustainably in where we are right now financially. I think God has set us up in great ways. He's given us favor, but now I'm just praying for obedience on our part. And so join us in that. You could do it at any time, but this morning it is very timely because what we are getting into is going to be a powerful one. But as I start this morning off, I actually have one word for you and we're going to have a little fun with it. And we're going to play a word association game. Are you ready? So where you are in your small group, I want you to say out loud the first thing, the first thought, the first word, the first feeling that comes to mind when I say this single word and I'm telling you, it'll have a whole lot to do with this morning's message. Um, so are you ready for it? It'll be down below on the screen and you'll hear it. I want you to say the first thing, shout it out, all right? Make people laugh, have fun with it. The word is this, hoarding, hoarding. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word hoarding? I don't know about you, but I think of TLCs, like uh, the, the natural lifestyle of hoarders, and you just followed, you saw their houses, you saw their, their pains, their therapy. I mean, that's what I think of is, is that reality TV show of hoarding. I mean, maybe you came up with something different. Jot it down if it was funny. I'd love to know what comes to your mind when you hear the word hoarding. But it's very interesting because hoarding, it's, it's a literal disorder of creating and keeping and acquiring this excess of things. I mean, it pushes you to do this, this crazy amount of things and maybe you teeter or know someone who teeters on the line of being a hoarder. I can remember when um, a friend of mine was, was moving and he asked me to come help him pack up. And I was like, sure, sure thing. So I show up and I walk in the door and I just am stunned. I'm like, where's the ground? I can't see the ground. I've never been in, in, his, uh, in his house before. I was like, where is the ground? And he's just standing there shocked as I am, but not because he can't see the ground, but because he doesn't know where to start. And I'm like, all right, game plan. Let's start tearing out the trash. Like, right, some of you, you just know that the clutter is so difficult to work with. And I remember asking him, where are the trash bags? And him saying, uh, I think they are under that pile of things. And I'm like, you think? I mean, do you have like a, a place where you keep them? And he's like, yeah, they're over there. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm gonna go to the store. I'm gonna get us some trash bags. You start in this area and we'll get this cleaned. But it's very interesting when, when we hoard, when we have an excess amount of clutter in our life, the simplest of things like trash bags are so hard for us to find. Maybe it's your keys. 
Anyone lose your keys or wallet in the midst of clutter? I can't find my phone. I can't find my glasses. In the midst of clutter, we cannot find or see the simplest of things. And so I found this in the most uh, simplest of ways, a definition, and it is this hoarding is this having a difficulty discarding things. It has three parts. It's the difficulty discarding things. It's having this excess amount of clutter. And it's then this problem of frequently acquiring more. Now, only two to three percent of the American population is diagnosed with a serious hoarding disorder. But I think if we all like were honest with ourselves, we can all dabble in the clutter. We can all dabble in the clutter. And some of you are like, no, my life is pristine. My house is clean. We'll, we'll praise God for that. But if it's not a clutter of stuff, we hoard other things as well. Think about it. Some of you, we hoard time. Now look at that definition again. Some of you hoard time. You have a difficulty discarding the things on your schedule. You are so busy and you have a difficulty discarding things. You have an excess amount of clutter on your busy schedule and yet you keep finding yourself acquiring more things to add on the schedule. You are a time hoarder. Others of you, maybe you hoard responsibilities. You hoard responsibilities. You struggle to say no to things. And so you have an overly cluttered amount of titles, hats that you wear, things that you're in charge of, and, and you have a difficulty letting go of it. Me, I do that all the time. We control freaks. You hoard responsibilities. And yet at the same time of having a cluttered list of things that you're in charge of, we still find ourselves acquiring more, wanting more that we are in charge of. We are a responsibility hoarder. And others, if we're honest, I mean, at times we can become uh, hoarders of pain, hoarders of fear, hoarders of past pains and memories and doubts. You, some of you, you struggle to discard past pain. You struggle to actually hand it over and ask Christ to deal with it. Past memories and those fears, those struggles, they claim a place of your day every single day. Your mind is still cluttered with thoughts that are centered around those past pains, that are centered around those past insecurities. You have clutter because of it. And yet, all of us, when we're like this, we still find ourselves somehow acquiring more things that are painful more things that are just other reasons to have bad memories, more fears and more insecurities. Sometimes we are pain hoarders. This is a real deal. We may never hoard stuff, but clutter abounds in you. It abounds in your life, in your home, in your marriage, and it disrupts your soul, your mind, your heart, and it needs to be dealt with. I mean, we're in this series, Miracles, right? Miracles. This is week three of it. If you've been with us, you heard in week one, uh, we've been taking these miracles. I've been though alluding to the ones we've been reading throughout the week. The bulk of it is sort of looking at disciplines that we need to dive into. And so week one was repentance. And I talked about how we can want miracles, God to do good things all day long. But until we truly repent, we will never experience them. And repentance, remember, it's not this forgiveness, forgive me for I've done wrong, or Jesus, here are my sins, uh, just I'm not going to do them anymore, I'm sorry. Forgiveness is so much deeper than that, and maybe you missed that week, and you need to listen again into it. 
And then this past week, we talked about how we may want miracles, but we struggle with the discipline of fasting. This idea of I long only and only for Christ. He satisfies me. God is my longing, my satisfaction. And if you heard Gabby teach on it last week, it was so good. She reminded us, and maybe even for the first time you heard that, fasting has nothing to do with you gaining God's favor or you being a good person or you making God love you more. Fasting instead is all about reclaiming your longing for Christ. You may want miracles, but do you long for Christ? Fasting will reset that. And this morning as we dive into it, I want you to write this down. You can title it this. You can write this and star it, underline it. But it's this. We say we want miracles. But what if our vision is clouded by life's clutter? You say you want miracles, but what if miracles are happening all around you, but you can't see it because life's clutter has clouded you from seeing it? Another way to say it is this, I mean, you, there's too much going on in your life that you cannot even see all that God has going on in your life. Did you hear that? There's too much going on in your home that you cannot see all that God has going on in your home. There's so much going on in your mind, in your thoughts, with your responsibilities, at work, on your schedule, that you cannot see all that God has going on in your mind, in your heart, in your home, at your work, on your schedule. We have some decluttering that we need to do. It's really interesting, psychologically, hoarding does a couple of things to the mind. I mean, studies after studies have proven this, that hoarding actually disrupts and hurts two areas of our brain. The, it disrupts the occipital lobe as well as the frontal lobes of the brain. And some of you smarties are like already making conclusions as to what that means. But when we have excess amount of clutter, the occipital lobe and the frontal lobes of our brain are disruptive. But those of you who are, are maybe normal like me, we got to look it up. Those two areas, one of them controls the visual input, what you can think about visually, what you can perceive are visual receptors. And the other is the executive decision-making part of our brain. And so practically, think about it this way. When we live with clutter, and it doesn't have to be things, when we live with a cluttered mind, a cluttered to-do list, a cluttered schedule, a cluttered set of responsibilities, when we live with clutter, our brain struggles with the ability to be attentive to reality. It struggles with what we, our eyes are processing and what our brain is making sense of. Because of all the clutter, it, we're, we're missing a few things. In other words, God might be moving in your home, but you can't see the ground. God might be moving in your heart, but you can't see the ground. And it also hurts our ability to set, and this is powerful, to set long-term. This is, studies have proven that clutter hurts your ability to set long-term and short-term memories. In other words, you may have had this aha moment a couple Sundays ago. You may heard all about repentance and were like, I need this. You may heard all about this, this discipline of fasting, or you've had maybe this great conversation with a friend or a spouse, and it was going to be life-changing. It was a counseling session, and it was powerful. But the moment you walk back into your cluttered self-life, all of that is out the window. 
because you cannot, your brain has this inability to take short-term memories and recall them long enough to form the long-term memories that will sustainably change you. And some of you, you live in clutter so much that you, you keep living this back and forth life of making promises to God and not keeping them all because of clutter. You say you want miracles, but your heart is clouded by clutter. And regarding that executive part of your brain, studies have proven that that clutter actually damages the hoarder, the hoarder's ability to make correct decision. It it damages the hoarder's ability to uh, have complex thinking skills or problem solve. And I don't know about you, but when my life is stressed and busy and maxed out, our decision-making skills are out the window. We're not going to be able to do make good decisions. Our problem-solving skills are gone. We, we feel drained. We are not able to think complex ways. And so though we have all of these ideas, we can't form them to do anything good. Clutter is destructive. It's interesting. What if your life right now, you're making bad decisions and it has nothing to do with you not knowing the right answer. It has nothing to do with you not Googling the right thing. It has nothing to do with the pain that someone has caused you. But what if it has everything to do with the fact that your heart is decluttered and you're not even hearing from God and his wisdom? What if the reason you keep making bad decisions is because of all of the clutter in your life where you are operating in the dark? I mean, if this room was pitch black, I might be thinking I'm making the right decisions in a dark room, but what if the lights get turned on and I think I'm in one place, but really I'm in another because it was dark. And I think I'm doing all the right things, but when the light switch turns on, I'm realizing how harmful my decisions have been. Some of you would realize that if the lights got turned on. We have some decluttering to do, and this morning you're in a safe place. This morning you are in a safe place. It it is all about simplicity today. Maybe you read the prayer from yesterday. It's all about moderation, getting rid of the excess, thinning out our lives, maybe we can say. Some of you, the most powerful thing you can do for your heart or your faith is to get simplified. Some of your marriages need simplicity. Some of your days, you need simplicity. Some of your faith, you need a simple faith. You need simple generosity. You need to simplify your life. And as we do this, we start seeing Christ and you think that's disconnected, but it is not at all. I love, I mean, have you read about Jesus in the gospels? He may be glorious. He may be divine and holy, but he is simple. He is a simple man with a simple vision and a simple action plan. Every single day he has with him all that he has. It's simple. He lives this life of minimalism and is able to see God, I believe, because of it. He has simplified his life, made clear his vision, his goal. I mean, and not to mention God's miracles. Have you ever thought about, I mean, we are now in what day 13 you just read about the woman in the crowd who was healed. That was from Friday. We've read 13 miracles. Have you realized how simple God's miracles are? How simple the miracles are? I mean, they start with a simple need, a simple request, a simple plea, this simple people realizing that they need a God who is present, right? It's, It's a simple faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. And these are the truths that we just over, overdo. We overthink. 
we add things in, we think we have to do more duties, more actions, more good, more, more good deeds. And we overthink and overanalyze. And all it does with these added responsibilities, it just complicates it. It makes us clouded so much that we don't even see the simplicity of what God is doing. It destroys our vision. And as you've heard over and over and over here at, at Glory Church, that where there is no vision, right, the people perish. We've said that over and over as we've reclaimed our vision as a church because honestly, churches all around America are perishing because they are not unified under a single vision. But people, individuals all around are perishing their joy, their hope, their faith, their confidence because they are so clouded by clutter or responsibilities or busyness or things or pain or memories that they cannot even see clearly the vision of the Lord. They cannot even see the ground at which they walk. Miracles happen all around us, but we can't see it. This past week, uh, Kate and I, my wife and I, we've been reading books and we're gonna change them uh, and exchange them when we're done. But she's reading a book right now and she found this quote about miracles and she was like, hey Greg, I have to tell you this. And it is powerful. It's a beautiful quote about this, this definition we can say of what miracles really are. And it reads this, it reads that miracles are not an interruption of the natural order, but they are a restoration of the natural order. In other words, we think that miracles are this aha, extravagant thing that just interrupts our daily life. But Jesus wants to rewrite our mind to start seeing that no, our life is, is full of this, this fleshly natural order that is not Christ's order of things. And so what Jesus is doing when he calms a storm is saying it's not natural for storms to be. And so I'm going to end it. It's not natural for death to happen. So I'm going to raise Lazarus from death to life. It's not natural for a man to be paralyzed. And so I'm going to heal him. And so what we want as a church is to start believing there's no clutter in my life. I can see clearly that God is not doing these extraordinary things that I'm hoping for. But no, he's already rewriting and remaking in my home his natural order in my life, in my relationships. He's bringing out about what it should be all around me. But I need to see it. I need to see it. I need to praise God because of it. In your home right now, there's this restoration work that God is doing that he wants you to see. If I may. As we get into this, we see this pattern in scripture and I have three different stories in scripture to show you this. We see this pattern in scripture that when people hold tightly to things, we can call it clutter, we can call it things, when they hoard stuff, it disrupts their life and brings them to a place of isolation. In fact, I think this may shed light onto what your places of clutter may be. If you're writing notes, write this. We see this principle in scripture that clutter reigns where people feel the most isolated. Clutter reigns. I mean, marriages are failing all around us because there's been clutter in the individual and it has led them to an isolation that has tore them apart. Where, where clutter is, isolation is birth. And you can always find, maybe you right now, as we go through this, you can pinpoint where your clutter is because you felt the most alone there. You felt the most alone. 
I mean, do you remember the story of Martha in Scripture? Luke 10, 38. It starts the story of Martha and Mary inviting Jesus into their home, and, and they, they have Jesus himself in their home. And if you know the story, Martha is prepping the house because Jesus is here, and Mary is sitting at his feet, and she's listening to him teach. And if you know the story at all, you have this sister Martha who's clouded by responsibility, by tasks, by duties. It is her right. She's clouded by this responsibility of making everything good for Jesus, making it all right, prepping everything, and it has left her in isolation. Literally, look at, if you can imagine the scene, she is alone doing the work, and Mary, her sister, is with the God of all gods. She is sitting in his presence and Martha's missing it in isolation. And if you know the story, she's angry. I mean, she's mad. If you know the story, she comes to Jesus in verse 40 and literally says this, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. That that, that was the right decision in Martha's mind. A clouded mind had led her to the decision of, "I, I need to tell Jesus to change what Mary is doing because she's in the wrong. I'm doing all of these things, but if the lights were turned on, Right. If, if Martha was not cluttered and could see clearly, she would see that Jesus cares very little about a house being prepped for him if the person in it is not even going to realize that he is present. Did you hear that? He cares very little about all the responsibilities and tasks that you are fulfilling if you are not realizing that while you're doing them, he's present. And we have become so clouded and anger comes up. But if we were to see clearly, I mean, what would Jesus teach us? Some of you, your isolation has led you to bitterness. And maybe it's because you have cluttered responsibility. Some of your isolation has led you to anger. And maybe it's because you've cluttered responsibility. What relationships could he be restoring if you were to see things clearly? But do you also remember the, this past miracle that we read this past week uh, of the miracle of, of the man who was miraculously healed from hosting 2,000 demons? I mean, do you remember the, the demon's name were Legion? It was this crazy miracle. I think it happened on Wednesday. Um, and it's this powerful story where Jesus banishes 2,000 demons from inside of a man into these pigs, and then they go and they, they die, they drown. It's this crazy story story. But in other words, this man had 2,000 demons that were taking over his thoughts. Talk about clutter, right? Talk about all the voices, all the lies, all the fears, all the what ifs, all the worries, all the desires that were in this man. If you know him, he was isolated into a cave. His clutter brought him to isolation. Now hear me, if you are a believer in Christ, thank God, we will never be the host of 2,000 demons. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm the host of 2,000 fears. Or sometimes I feel like I'm the host of 2,000 different uh, emotions or thoughts or what ifs. Sometimes I'm the host of 2,000 doubts. And as we do this, that clutter leads us to an isolation just like this man where we start self-harming ourselves. If you know the story, it says that he begins cutting himself with rocks, his, his wrists. He begins screaming and exhausting his lungs uh, daily through just this yells of pain and torment. And maybe you're not physically hurting yourself, 
but how many of the thoughts that you play daily, that you're cluttered by, the pains, the memories that you're cluttered by, have done very self-inflicting things to your value or to your purpose or to the truth that Jesus says of you being loved and adored or beautiful. Maybe you're not physically hurting yourself, but we have some self-inflicting doubts that are destructive to your calling, to your purpose, to what he's called of you, and they are things that we need to call out. I mean, have your 2,000 what-ifs hurt your ability to see Have your 2,000 what-ifs made you unreachable, like a dark cave to those around you who love you? Have your 2,000 what-ifs clouded you? I love this story because Jesus comes and the miracle says that he restores the man to having a right mind, a clear mind. He restores the man to having a clear mind. And maybe we need to pray that. That needs to be our decluttering. God, give me a clear mind. Or do you remember my last story? Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler? This man, and we we talked about him a few weeks ago in our last series, but this man, he longed for eternal life, but he was unwilling to let go. He held tight. He hoarded his stuff. But more than that, he hoarded his comfort. He hoarded his title, his responsibilities, his prestige, his honor, the value that he had in this worldly life. Some of you, you hoard your poise. You hoard this, this, this comfort, this I have it all understanding. I, I know what's going on. Some of you, you hoard your, your, the look of your life. You, you keep it all collected and together and you hold tight it. And just like this rich young ruler who comes longing for everlasting life, and Jesus says, you need to get rid of your things. I love this. I I, I didn't mention this when I taught about it before, but Jesus doesn't say give your money to the poor. He's not even saying anything about his money. Jesus knows that the man's heart has been captured by the man's stuff and what the stuff has defined of him. And so Jesus says, sell everything you own and give that money to the poor. Give it as a tithe, an alm. And it has nothing to do with what your money is uh, that you have stored in the bank. I need you, all the things that you've collected in your life that you think has given you value, comfort, you're hoarding it, get rid of it. And we see at the end what the one person who has isolation in the story. For Jesus, he stays with his disciples with the crowd, and only one man leaves heavy-hearted. Isolation has led him to shame, to regret, to guilt, to, to greed, to selfishness, and some of you are there right now and you don't realize it. As we get very practical, I need you to know that though those stories, those examples feel extreme, I mean, a, a a demonic hosting of 2000, a man literally saying no to Jesus, uh, a, a woman named Martha who's, who's completely ignoring that Jesus, the Messiah, is in her home, that we can say those are extreme, but we do them all the time. We have these kinds of clutters adapting and, and at work in our life every day. And so as we get practical, I have some steps, just two of them for you. And I've actually adapted them from what uh, counselors do in a therapy session with those who, who struggle with hoarding. I think it's very practical. I think this will help us. And I'll tell you the first thing that a therapist does is, is they make it safe for the client. Make it safe. I mean, safety is the first thing. And I will just challenge you as you are starting to 
pick out and notice the clutter in your heart, the first thing you're overwhelmed, we start with safety. The, the hoarder, his home has trash and trash where trash is, mold is, uh, animals are, insects are. And so the first thing you got to do is to clean out the trash, clean out the trash. Some of you, you have trash on your schedules that are only causing more pain to your spouse. Trash on your schedules, on your to-do list, the things that are just, they're there and you may like them, but it's garbage. It's only creating decay. And so safety first, let's end those things. The things that have kept causing arguments at home, the things that have kept, uh, that God has kept bringing up over and over that have led you to different things, discard those. Some of you, you have uh, trash in your responsibilities, titles that you don't need. They don't fit you. They don't fit your integrity. They don't fit who you are. And they're only leading you to do things that are trashy. Right, we, we can all claim this, like think about all of the hats that you wear. There's some of them that, that that hat is just causing more decay in your spirit. It's hitting on your fears or your insecurities more than ever before and you keep trying to achieve at it. Maybe God is telling you to declutter, get rid of it, safety first. If something has been unhealthy for your marriage, then odds are that it's unsafe for your marriage. And then also as we get into pain, Sure, there might be 2,000 thoughts that go in your day, but what if you were to sit down and write out the ones that were the unhealthiest, the ones that have led you down to lies, some of the ones that are the most painful, write them down, and maybe it means you need to disclose them to a friend, to your small group, seek counseling. What would it look like for you to start dealing with the trash of our life? The things that, that insects are getting to, I mean, you understand figuratively, uh, the things that are only bringing up more decay. For some of you, this looks like literally cleaning out your closet. Uh, some of you, you have bought things, purchased things with your money that have become like uh, trophies and has only brought decay in your soul. That's trash. Get rid of it. Some of you have so many things stored in your closet that you don't even use them. They've become, those dresses have become like trash because every time you put it on, you spend too long trying to figure out which one you look beautiful in. We got to declutter our life so that our souls can see God. So that our souls can see God. And the last thing the last step that a, a therapist would give is all about skills, learning the correct skills that over time you can learn new coping mechanisms. You can discover the why behind your thinking, why you acquire more pain. Did you know sometimes we get so comfortable in feeling like a, uh, a, the vulnerable one that, that we, we feel so, uh, so broken and that we are actually comforted in our pain. Like we, we like being painful because we, we are afraid of what it would look like to not have it, to live in freedom. And as we start realizing that, as you start decluttering the, the unsafe things, you will start realizing God's truth amidst it. Some of you, you cloud and clutter and, and, and hoard responsibility because you think your life is not good enough without it. And as these lies start coming, you get the skills of exchanging them for truth. Some of you, you're unhappy with your life. And so you try to fill it up with so many things to do that you don't have to think about it. Others of you, you just want value and you think your stuff will get it to you. 
as we start doing this and we realize what our problems are, we get the skills of, of, of inserting truth where lies reigned. Can I tell you, for every lie, there is about a billion truths of Christ that he is so ready to, to, to rewrite within us. But it starts with decluttering, decluttering. So as we get into this, what is your place of clutter? As we end it today, what is your place of clutter? And what is God calling you to get rid of? Maybe it's a literal cleaning out your closet while you clean out your mind. Maybe it's a literal going to counseling and start talking about your past pains. Whatever it may be, lean in on it. As we end this morning, I actually want to pray a, a piece of scripture, a Psalm 131 over you. We've done this before. You will see it below, but I'm, I'm not going to pray it word for word. Uh, I'm going to, as we do this, maybe this will teach you to pray scripture. This is a Psalm of simplicity, a Psalm where David is realizing uh, how powerful he does not need answers or how powerful uh, the need is of him to, to, to just have Christ in Christ alone. So it says this in Psalm 131. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. And so as we pray through this, we just bow your heads. Maybe you want to read as I pray this, but these are, this is how you pray through scripture. Jesus, I, my heart is not going to be lifted up anymore. I, in pride, I take on responsibility after responsibility because I think that it's my, my duty to control it. God, I, I, I constantly try to deal with things on my own. I hoard thoughts and it has led me to this, this spiral down of pride. Jesus, my eyes are not raised too high. I'm, not, I'm deciding to not occupy myself with things that are too great or too marvelous for me. And sometimes my what ifs are all centered around these things that are too great. And I just want answers. And I get clouded by doubt and fear that I, did, that I mistake you in my day. But God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cloud my mind with things that are too marvelous for me. I'm going to be simple. I'm going to calm and quiet my soul. Jesus, for those who are listening, who have 2,000 what-ifs in their brain, in their mind, in a day, I pray that you calm and quiet their soul. For the one who, who has duty after duty after duty, will you calm and quiet their soul? For the, 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 the friend that has constantly acquired more things and stuff, and they just have this mindset of, of when I have that, I will arrive. Can you calm and quiet our soul? Like a weaned child with its mother. Got a child that is no longer needing breast milk, a child who can sit with the mom and just be with the mom as a source of comfort. He doesn't want anything from the mom. Uh, it doesn't want the belly full. It is a weaned child that just wants to be tenderly held. So God, I don't want anything from you other than just your presence. I want to be with you. So God, forgive me of all of the cloudiness, all the clutter, and let us just be with you. My soul is like a weaned child with you. And so it says, O Israel, my prayer is, O glory, church, that we can hope in the Lord in this season, from this moment on and forevermore. In your name, Jesus, I pray that we can declutter, that we can see you, that we can know that miracles are possible for our church, for our family, for our friends, for our community, for our neighbors, for our marriages. Miracles are possible if we would only do the work of decluttering. Give us the strength to do it.
in your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, Glory family, as we close out this morning, I just want to encourage you where you are uh, to dive into the people around you. Maybe you want to talk through what it would look like uh, for you to declutter. Well, maybe you want to talk through where your, your insecurities or where you feel most isolated. And as we lean in on this, I just want to press in and remind you, we continue to pray for us as a leadership team here at Glory Church, that we have the right answers and we do the right things with the right attitude and not because we want things to come, but because we just want to glorify our God. And so pray for us. I'm, I'm so excited for, for what is to come as we sit in on this. I, I believe that God is doing something in the unseen. And so I will, as your pastor, see you next week online as we continue this series over miracles. I love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.